Welcome to Zen Parenting Radio, brought to you by Avid Company. This is Todd Adams. And this is Kathy Adams. And this is our third installment of four that we're talking about self-care, a.k.a. selfish parenting. Absolutely. And so I've been getting a lot of emails in the last couple weeks since we've been talking about selfish parenting, or what I prefer to call self-care. And a lot of people have been asking, um, you know, can I talk to my husband about self-care? Or can I talk to my mom about self-care? Or should I talk to my kids about self-care? And the answer is yes, yes. absolutely. Self-care is not just something for parents. Um, obviously, Todd and I want to make sure parents understand this. This is something that's super important for, for parents. But this is for everybody. I actually teach a university class at uh, Dominican University in the sociology department. And the first thing that I teach the kids is self-care. On the very first day of class, we talk about what self-care is and how to bring self-care into their lives, which, which kind of makes you laugh. So what types of faces <laughs> did you get when these college students heard the term self-care? Well, I think they thought that meant that they could go out drinking more often. Well, and, you know, being somebody who was in college for four years, who had, a, I suppose, a typical college experience. You had a lot of fun in college. I, well, yeah. If self-care equates to having fun and maybe consuming alcohol to the excess, then yes, I was self-carelicious, I tell you. You were practicing a lot of self-care. I practice a lot of self-care on a four to five nights a week basis. <laughs> well, and that's what I try and help them understand is there's balance in that because, of course, going out and being with your friends and having a good time and letting loose is self-care. But if you're doing it to the point where you are feeling really crappy the next day and you have hangovers and it's causing your grades to go down, no, that's not self-care. You're not taking care of yourself. You're hurting yourself. So self-care is about making sure that you take time for yourself, making sure that you take stress breaks, even if, it's, even if it's just as simple as taking deep breaths. I'm teaching these kids about deep breathing. And the reason that I think it's so important for college students is college students are the ones that come into the professional world, especially these kids who are becoming counselors and teachers and um, social workers. And there's a high burnout rate in those jobs. And so I just want them to understand or start to integrate that self-care is important and that they should take it with them no matter what job they're so you you worked at Children's Memorial, yes. and didn't you tell me that the um, average length of stay there for an employee in your department was like four years? Well, that's what I witnessed. Now, I don't know if, if everyone at Children's Memorial would agree with that, but I experienced, uh, you know, a lot of comings and goings, especially of social workers. It's a hard job. I mean, and, you know, you are basically um, using all your energy to help other people with their energy. Right. So which, what do you have left for yourself? Exactly. And that's part of the reason that I decided to um, stay home when I had JC was because I was going to work and I was working with children and parents and families and um, putting all of my energy into helping them see themselves more clearly. And I would come home very depleted. You did. And I would never cook. Especially when you were pregnant. You're pregnant, <laughs> oh, you were making a longer commute. And it was a tough, tough time. It was a tough time. And I, I, yeah, I basically decided that I was going to stay home um, with the girls after that experience of being pregnant and um, working because um, I, I couldn't give both. And now I found a nice happy medium with working because there, there are things that we can do. You know, some of us work full time and love it and get energy from that. Some of us work part time and love it and get energy from that. And a lot of us uh, stay home with our kids and get a ton of energy from that. So it's very individual. I remember um, talking to a customer or something like that, and they were talking about their wife. I'm like, oh, does your wife uh, work or is she at home? And I got a really bad look. (laughs) He's like, well, my wife is with our children, and she works with our children at home. Like, I I will never make that mistake again because 
the the language behind that says, well, if you're not working full time for an employer and you're just staying at home with your kids and you're not really working, which you now know from that, your personal experience, that with it is me. pretty much an impossible job. All you full time moms, absolutely. Out there. The um, staying at home, we know. Then that's what I did the first year. I didn't uh, work at all. Our first year and a half. Mm. Um, well, again, I just said I didn't work at all. Actually, I was working my butt off being with my girls, um, and you know that takes it takes so much energy and creativity um, to be at home with your kids and to inspire them and to stay inspired and to keep the days rolling and to have enough patience to deal with them. That takes more energy than I think anyone could ever realize. And that for me, and I know you know this is true, now that I do work part-time and I take a few hours during the day to work, that's a that's like a break for me. Mm-hmm. It's like a break to go to work. Right. And um, and then once I come back from then work, then I'm ready again. You're fully energized. Like we talked about last week, fill your tank and you come back with your tank full and it's just by getting outside of the four walls of our house and you come back with a A different perspective completely different perspective and you know on that note because we're talking today we're going to focus more on how to help our kids practice self-care and how to see them for who they are and how to allow them to take care of themselves and the first step in doing that is taking care of ourselves so we have enough energy to do this for our kids Mm -hmm. because if we're depleted then we're really we're always in a hurry with our kids i was just noticing yesterday um I had taken one of my children to a class, and I was just noticing how all the parents around me are in such a hurry all the time, and I wonder where they're going. Well, and they, and you even said, well, I don't even think that they need to be anywhere. They're just so used to being in a rush that right. they continue to be in a rush, even though they have no appointment to go to. They just it becomes like part of their higher energy. And it, does, it becomes a part of like you know, get on your boots. We gotta go. We gotta go. You gotta go to the bathroom. Oh no! And I and again, maybe they have places to go. I don't know them. Who knows? But I just know that it just sounds really rushed and I'm watching the kids and they're just overwhelmed by this need to move, move, move. We'll talk about oversimplification. I used to struggle with getting our daughters out of bed to get them out the door on time. And then I'm like, you know what? This is stupid. I'm going to wake them up 20 minutes earlier so they have time to screw up and to have, you know, a meltdown or two. Not that it happens all the time, but when it does happen, it... um, it really throws us into a tizzy, and because that's because we're we're like minute to minute, right? So give yourself some extra time. It's like it's like getting to the airport early. Just give yourself extra time, just in case something bad happens. Not bad, but in case that there is some leave room for mistake. Leave error. room for mistakes. Well, and how have you been waking up the girls lately with the? Oh, music? I I play they they like certain music, and I just play music from my iPhone, and I rub their heads, and then they slowly kind of wake uh, into consciousness. And wake up to their favorite songs. Yeah, it's uh, it's a really good thing. So. So anyway, with that said, the first thing as far as allowing our children to be who they are and allowing them to practice their own self-care and teaching them how to do that is talking about feelings with our kids, um, talking to them about their feelings. This starts at a really early age, you know, before the before they're communicating with words, starting to give them language for what they're experiencing. Oh, it looks like you're really sad, mm-hmm. or oh, it seems like you're really angry, um, and letting them know that that's okay. The full range of emotions is normal, you guys. I hear so many parents say, you know, my child was angry and I told him not to be angry. And that just seems really nutty to me. Yeah, I mean, as we said on last week's show is don't judge any feelings. Allow the feelings to come. Not that you ignore them. Right. But if somebody is feeling angry, you just say, wow, you look really mad. Instead of 
stop being mad or, right. you know, what are you doing? Or, you know, because then all of a sudden your high energy meets their high energy and then all of a sudden you got two people that are You got two people who are angry. And the truth is, you know, let's just be very matter of fact, anger is is normal. Yeah. Anger comes and it's not, you know, here's my big thing that I say all the time to parents. It's not having the feeling. It's what you do with the feeling that makes a difference. Right. Because what happens a lot is they suppress their feelings, right? Exactly. They push it down. Kids and adults. Well, like the parents will help the kids push it down. Yes. Like they won't allow for the feeling to come through. And then what happens eventually later on in that week? Think about it. Oh, they'll get, all of a sudden there's a meltdown that that is, is triggered by nothing. Right. And it's because they buried it somewhere and then all of a sudden it comes out. Like kids, you know, they can have one of those weeks where a lot of little things happen. Maybe nothing that drives them over the edge, but maybe, you know, they were told no in class, or maybe they fell down, but they didn't really cry about it, or maybe they got this taken away, or maybe they were disappointed because they thought they were going out to eat, whatever it may be. All these things add up, and all of a sudden, they have this huge meltdown, Mm -hmm. this huge tantrum, and you and I know that when those big tantrums come, um, that usually it's not because of what, what, just what just happened. Like I wrote about a story about how Cameron one day was trying to get stickers off of a sticker book, um, and she was pulling the sticker and it ripped, and all of a sudden yeah, she, she dropped, lost it. She, she completely lost it. And so a lot of parents would say, "Why are you getting so mad over a stupid sticker or something right. like that?" When it had to do with days before that she just kind of had some pent up aggression. So if if we as parents can allow those. Uh, feelings to come through when they happen, right. it will make your life a lot easier. Less tantrums. Or maybe, you know, you work on helping your child release their feelings and they still have tantrums every once in a while. I don't really think tantrums are that awful. No, you have, you have a, um, a chapter in your book called The Tantrum. Yes. And in that book, uh, JC, our oldest daughter, had a meltdown about something and we knew it probably didn't have a lot to do with what just happened. It was... I think she wanted to read two books right. or something she before bed, and I said only and, one, and right. she... So she completely lost it, like the loss at where she physically is kind of losing oh, it. Oh, yeah. And, she was rolling around and, and screaming. if I was in the room, I don't know if I would have had the clarity that you did. I would have said, stay in your bed. This is it. One book, and mm-hmm. then I'd close the door, mm-hmm. and I'd get frustrated and mad. Mm-hmm. And instead, you – what did you do? You kind of – Well, I just sat in there and – Oh, yeah, you sat – you didn't console her. No. She was crying in her bed, and you were sitting in the room just peacefully sitting there. Yeah, I, I kind of believe in calm creates calm. Mm-hmm. So I, I was just sitting calm. I really wasn't even saying anything. Um, and she just lost it, and she was angry. But and I, she cried for like 20 20- – yeah, half hour. I think you peeked in a few times. And yeah, you were like, like what is going on? on in there? Something bad. <laughs> and you know, I just realized I just said something a minute ago. I said tantrums aren't really that big of a deal, or they're not that bad. Let me be clear: tantrums are really challenging to deal with. Absolutely. So, but what I mean is, when they're having them, I think it can be really healthy for them to let go of that emotion. I don't want to give you the wrong idea that Todd and I think that you know we enjoy handling tantrums because that is not the truth at all. But what when I'm watching JC and that experience let go of everything she was feeling, um, I know it needs to come out. Yeah. I know that whatever she's feeling inside needs to come out. And the more she pushes that down, the more unhealthy that is for her. She needs to be able to 
you know, say what she's feeling, um, yell every once in a while. You know, how about on our vacation when we were in Florida um, this holiday and we would go to the ocean and yell at the ocean? We did what's called, I don't know if you've ever seen Dead Poet Society, but in it there's a scene where they talk about barbaric yawp. Barbaric yawp. And it's basically just uh, Robin Williams um, has one of his students and he's like, just scream at the top of your lungs in the classroom. And And the student didn't want to because he's uncomfortable with expressing himself. Right. So when we went, we were lucky enough to have a house near the ocean so we'd walk there every morning and we would just scream at the ocean at the top of our lungs and granted some of the people around us thought we were a little crazy (laughs) but you know what i said the ocean can handle this oh yeah the ocean is vast enough for our screams so we scream i mean and it was kind of weird you know even it was weird in the very beginning when we started doing it we just scream as loud as we can oh but it felt so good and And it did it was a release it was and i thought i found it kind of interesting because a week or two prior to that i had said something to you like i sometimes when i'm feeling a lot of sadness or heaviness or sometimes it's stuff from my past i don't even know but i feel it in my chest i feel a heaviness in my chest it's like a pressure and i had said to todd it was like a week before we left i wish i could just yell Mm -hmm. and get this out that's what it felt like and i knew there was probably more work to be done than just yell but it was so great Well, i told you to yell at the expressway because we live our backyard (laughs) is is right behind an expressway and And i thought my neighbors would think i was really kooky yeah but it's loud so nobody would have heard you but anyways sure enough a week later we had this opportunity where we had this big blue beautiful ocean and we just screamed at the top of our lungs like a bunch of nutbags and it was fun because our family knew we were doing it and so they would say did you yell at the ocean today absolutely <laughs> and we were like yes we did so anyway the so that was our own well, little and, form of a tantrum and one example i wanted to, to w- let me put my judgment hand on for a second because okay. i like to do that I every, know, it fits you very every well. show <laughs> um when a kid you know and we're talking to a lot of uh parents who have younger children and say a kid you know falls and scrapes their knee yeah the first thing that i've in a lot of examples, first thing I see a dad do is get up, you're okay, oh, something like that, yeah. and talk about suppressing emotion. Um, and it took me a while to figure out how to deal with that because it happens, whatever, every two weeks somebody's – Exactly. And and before you give the great answer that you're going to give, why are parents doing that? Be, oh, because they don't want to be social. It's a social pressure. Yeah, it's embarrassment. It's an embarrassment. Chi- when your child loses it in a public place. Right. So you, you convince them that they're okay even though their knee is bleeding and they're crying. By definition, they're not okay. They're, they're, they're telling you they're not okay. They're crying. Yeah, exactly. So instead of saying, get up, you're fine, and, and not even – you don't even have to be that cold about it. I see a lot of parents just be like – They say, you're okay, you're okay. okay, and they rub their back. Right. And they're and not okay. They're not okay. So anyways, what you say instead is, ouch, that yeah. really looked like it hurt. I mean, not that you laugh at them, but – Man, that hurt. And then you just let them cry. Right. Because often, you know, this goes back to what Todd and I were talking about last week of being validated and heard. And we were talking about the two of us with each other. But children need to be validated and heard, too. So if they fall down and scrape their knee and you as a parent are are able to say, wow, ouch, that looked like it hurt. Then they know they're heard. Then they're like, okay, mom gets me. Mom or dad gets me. They know this hurts. And what you'll find out is that the crying probably won't go as long. Absolutely. Because they have given permission by their parents to let it out and then it goes away but if you're suppressing it they'll cry for an extra five minutes just because you are not hearing them you are not they're saying okay you think i'm okay right i'm I'm, gonna cry louder i'm gonna show you that i'm not okay and that's just one of those steps towards awareness you know being able to when your children fall down just being able to acknowledge that they're having pain and acknowledge that um you know that they are sad in that moment and allow them to be that is one simple step towards allowing your children to be who they are and helping them take care of themselves you know that's one simple step for you um, as a parent to 
to be more aware of what your child is experiencing rather than viewing everything through your lens and saying, well, that would, you know, it's kind of like what you said last week about, you know, you look at me and when I'm having, when I'm, when I, uh, don't want to watch TV or I don't want to do something you're doing, and you'll say, well, that wouldn't bother me. Right. And so, um, you know, so I don't understand why it bothers you. It's the same thing with kids. You know, they're, they are not us. They are different people. And mm. sometimes we need to, you know, notice what they are experiencing and respond from that place rather than respond from the place where that's silly. Well, and if you can carry that example to maybe older kids, let's say there's uh, some of our audience has parents of high schoolers, and all of a sudden their high schooler comes home with whatever, a really bad grade on their test. Right. And all of a sudden the parent goes into problem-solving mode saying, well, let's do this and this and this to help fix it instead of allowing, you know, anger or frustration to come through and just say, listen, looks like you, you're not happy with the results of your test. That really sucks or right. you know just kind of validate them and then maybe afterwards you can go into do you can we do you want help do you want help can we take some steps to uh maybe reduce the possibility of this happening again but first just let the feelings come in right exactly and ask them how they're feeling you know i i think that probably 15 times a day maybe even more you and i say to the girls how does that make you feel? Mm-hmm. Even in the most simple things, like the girls will get dressed and they'll come out and, you know, they'll have their hair all done or whatever, and they'll be so proud and we'll look at them and we'll say, you know, you look so nice. How do you feel? Right. Like we want to not just focus on the external right. of how they look. You know, we don't want them to think that they're going to get all their validation in the world from just their appearance. Absolutely. Um, you, know, spe- you know, we have three daughters, so we think very deeply about um, – about how women are, how we want to raise women in Absolutely. our house. We want them to be as valued by what they show on the outside as what they show on the inside. Right. What exactly? Like we don't want them to think that their external appearance is going to be the way they get through this world. Absolutely. So we will say, how do you feel about what you're wearing? Mm-hmm. You know, how does that feel? And and a lot of times when we say to them, you look really nice. The outfits are a little kooky. They're oh, yeah. a little nutty. Who cares? Yeah. They're but we're actually I'm I'm better allowing kooky outfits than you are. Like Cameron will come out with. Like, I guess stripes on the top and the bottom are bad or something like that. Well, no, no. It Sometimes, some yes, I am going to admit to that. <laughs> yeah, be, be that honest some, with I our am, audience. I w- but what I want to say is a majority of the time, I'm going to, you know, make myself sound better here. I, I don't care what they wear, but sometimes it's just so out there. Well, and the thing is, if they get made fun of at school, which may happen, then it will take care of itself. They right. won't wear it. But if, if you're saying... You know, don't wear this with that because it'll. And you don't say it. I like was going to say I don't think I've said that to them before. But, but I think I've do. I've given gentle suggestions. Exactly, gentle. But you exactly. Yes, you're much. You are better with them about allowing for those kind of things because you kind of dress nutty sometimes exactly. too. Exactly. And what's the big deal <laughs> if the kid's hair isn't combed? Like everybody's like, oh, you got to comb their hair before they go out. Right. You know what? No, they don't. Right. They don't. Nothing's going to happen. I mean, if we're going out to a nice dinner, I'll throw a Maybe. comb through their hair. <laughs> Maybe. Well, that's what I love when I go away for the weekend, if it's something for work or I'm with my girlfriends for the weekend, and then I come home <laughs> after three days and you haven't combed their hair for three well, days. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. But but having said that, I am getting pretty good at ponytails. You are, and you're learning to braid. And I'm learning to braid. French braid, forget it. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I think I might just, you know, check out from there. But I'm learning how to braid, so... I, and I better hurry up because JC, our seven-year-old, is getting to the point where she can do her own hair. Yeah, I'm teaching so her how to braid right now. My clock is running out. Right. Is. So anyway, you are right. Um, sometimes I have to take a deep breath and pause and think about why do I care that there's like stripes and flowers going on here. And sometimes I do just let it go and sometimes I don't. Mm-hmm. So I have to admit to that. But at the same time, um, what we were talking about was that we are more focused on how they're feeling in that outfit mm-hmm. rather than how nice it is or what brand it is. I don't even think our girls know brands yet. Right. Um, 
um, you know, it's not it's not about those kind of things. And I do uh, my my clock is running out because I tend to be more on the cheap side yeah. in the spectrum. Yeah, and uh, sometimes I have are. been known to go to the old Salvation Army to pick up some clothes for or himself. He well, buys his his clothes there, and and uh, there's nothing awful about that. Uh, we go to a consignment shop for sure. the girls. It's just sometimes you come home with some crazy well, outfits, and sometimes I'll bring something home for the girls, and you know, JC's already forget it. Like you know, if she knows that, then the odds of her wearing it are minimal. I got to work on Cameron and Skylar. Yeah, they don't really know. They yet. don't have any idea, so I got to jump at my chance. But I anyways. know, I know. So, but it, but it's nice in theory. And really, I would love for my girls to, you know, not um, care so much about brands and labels and such. But the truth is that that does come later in life, and that's normal. And we're going to be understanding and accepting of that while still hopefully teaching them that what goes on in the inside is most important. And again, going back to the talk about talking about feelings, children will really understand that if we really allow and normalize the experiences they're having. If it be sadness, if it be anger, um, if it be, uh, you know, you know, let, allowing them to be tired during the day, like if they didn't want to go to um, a dance class or they didn't want to go to a sporting event. If that happened all the time, you know, and they were always saying, oh, I don't want to go to this or, you know, they were, you know, bailing on things that they had committed to, then that would be a big deal. That wouldn't... Yeah, uh, any extreme either way. Right. That would necessitate good. a discussion. But every once in a while, if they're having feelings where they're tired or they just want to be alone or they need some some downtime, oh my gosh, downtime, mm -hmm. so important with children, then we have to give some space for that rather than be too uh, focused on um, making sure they do everything that they said they were going to do. Right, absolutely. Um, I know we want to talk about the idea of parenting from the past, parenting from the present, and parenting from the future. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I find that a lot of... Um, parents get really concerned about their children's feelings um, because they worry that it's going to be something that is going to identify them for life. For example, um, I've worked with a lot of parents who have said, um, you know, my child uh, my child seems to be really shy, and their child's maybe four, five, six. They're really shy, and I was really shy when I was growing up, and I don't want my child to have the same experiences that I did, so I'm going to push them into all these things and make them do all these things so they're not shy. And I guess I look at that as parenting from the past meaning that you are your parent, past you your as a parent, past your baggage you are putting what you experienced on your child when your child hasn't had your experiences they may be shy for that six months they may be shy maybe they've been shy from like our oldest daughter was a little more on the shy side from zero to five mm -hmm. and now you Forget would never it. know yeah, that she makes friends within a half a second exactly and and the point is is that that if you can just be in the moment with them and deal with things from that moment rather than from your experience that if you can be with them and allow them to be who they are then it, it doesn't usually have to get that to to extreme i think the moral of the story is carry your own bags mm -hmm. we have i have my baggage I kathy has her baggage we both try to deal with our, ourselves don't put your baggage don't make your kids carry your bags because right. you know what your kids are going to create their own bags all by themselves right. and your your deal as a parent is to try to work through that when it happens but Carry your own bags. Let the kids carry their own. Don't put bags. your stuff on them. Is what we, that we Todd and I call each other allowed out on things. We'll say things like, "That's your stuff," mm -hmm. or "That's my stuff." Right. That's not our daughter's stuff. Right. Let's, you know, that's something we are worried about because of our experience. It has nothing to do with them. And so, and so, parenting from the past is putting things that we experienced on our children. And the parenting from the future is where we say things like, um, you know, our. Uh, 
our child. Um, well, J- well, let's say, J- like, you, let's just use the example you just gave. JC did not talk at all in preschool. Oh, yeah, That's thank you. That's the bottom line. You so, stimulated my thinking. Like, she she didn't talk, and so we, at first, uh, were yeah. very concerned. Like, she was going to be one of those children that never spoke to anybody and was rude to everybody and never talked to teachers. And was going to be shy for the rest of her life. Right. And so we would be like, what if she's like this when she's 18? And uh, what if, you uh, know? And then somehow we caught our breath and said, yeah. listen, let's relax. Let's see where she is right now. And that's what we did. Which, you know, we there was a part of us that probably wanted to um, make sure that she was talking in school. Like, JC, you have to talk at school today. Right. You know, we can say this is the way. And it's weird because this was preschool. She was three or four. Right. And it's so funny to reflect on now mm-hmm. because she was our first, you know, child. Right. So we didn't know, we didn't have any frame of reference where now our other two have had those experiences too, where they've had a year or six months or whatever it be where they had, they had, they were shy, and it, they had the feeling of being shy. They weren't shy. Right. They didn't identify them that way. And, you know, we can – we're just like, whatever. whatever. That's fine. Who cares? That's let, fine. Let, let them be let them. them be, let them be them. And uh, so, you know, we caught ourselves in not projecting too far into the future. And an example that I give – I don't know if anybody's seen the movie Parenthood by Ron Howard, but there's a funny scene in that movie where Steve Martin's character – is um, he's the, the coach. he's the coach of the baseball team, and he says this wonderful thing to his son. And his son runs out and goes and plays second base, and he kind of has this deep reflection, and he thinks of him at his son's high school graduation. And, and but he drops the ball. You're, the well, kid bef- drops before the- that happens. Oh, before it before happens. Before he drops okay. the ball, he uh, projects in the future, and this kid's in his high school commencement oh, street uh, commencement speech, saying, "You know what? I was really screwed up there for a while, but my dad said the most outstanding things to me when I was younger, and for that, I am a much better person." So then, fast forward to real time in the movie. Um, he drops the ball. The kid drops the so ball. So then all of a sudden, Steve Martin's character <laughs> goes back into the future, and and there is a uh, guy on top of a clock tower shooting everybody, and it's his son, Kevin, and it's because that he made him play second base you or something. You made me play second base. Yeah, he says, you made me play second base, and it's really funny. So. And, so, and that's how we, you know, that's sometimes how we look at our children is we assume that because of that, you know, that that one moment in time that they are going to turn out this way when really if we can just be with them in that moment and give them tools. You know, like when JC was was feeling shy, it's not like we just said, oh, no big deal, n- not at all. We, we would try and help her. We'd mm-hmm. say, here's something you can say. Right. Or in this situation, can you say hello? Like a lot of times I'd say, maybe you don't want to use your words, but can you wave? Mm-hmm. You know, like I'd try and give her other tools where she could still socialize without having, without forcing her to say things or, you know, worse, shaming her right. or um, making her feel guilty about not talking. I tried to give her other tools. Guilt, shame, or fear are three words that we always try to be observant of yeah. and how we just don't want a parent from anything close to those three words. Right. Guilt, shame, and fear. So it, it doesn't it doesn't serve them in the long term. So anyway, um, you in, know. In week one, uh, I promised our audience that we would give some practical tips that they can use this week to help them. Okay. And I would like to give, and we, we missed last week, so I'd like to give mine and it has to do with, um, for any of those dads out there that have daughters or moms who have daughters, um, one thing that I hear a lot in you know, describing a daughter is, uh, oh, you look so pretty in that dress, mm-hmm. or you look so great in that dress. And I had a pastor in my church, and instead of saying that, he would say, wow, you look so smart. Mm-hmm. And over time, I heard it over and over again. He would always tell the girls how smart they looked. 
And I asked him afterwards, I go, why do you always say that? I mean, I like that you say it, but wait. And he says it's because girls always hear about how pretty they are. Yeah. And they never hear about how smart they are. So, And that becomes what they start to identify themselves with, where they feel like they need to be pretty to be valued. Right. Their, their value is equated by how they look mm-hmm. instead of what's going on inside their head and inside their heart. So uh, parents out there, tell your tell your daughters they're smart. Yeah, well, or other things, or, you know, or yeah. strong, or, or thoughtful, str- right? Or, or that they have nice smiles, or how nice they were to their classmate. You know, just find some goods outside of something that's external. Things that they have control over, things that they can actually do. You know, the way you held that door open, or the way that you seem to have fun in that activity, because those are things they can do for a lifetime. It has nothing to do with their appearance. Did you want to give a practical tip? Or well, actually, my practical tip was don't parent from or don't uh, parent from the past or future. I'll give one. I, I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was no. Go ahead. I was going to give one more practical. Okay, tip. you can you can use I don't, my practical. I don't know. Time. That's right. I don't know where I heard this, but um, when you enter the room, as parents, we get so bogged down with everyday life, and sometimes life is just draining. Make a purposeful effort to smile when you're kids walk in the room especially um oprah talks about this a lot she She says yeah um let your children see your eyes light up she always says and i think it was from tony morrison um that's where she got the quote but anyway we'll pass it along as well especially in the morning you guys when your kids get out of bed and they walk out of Mm -hmm. their room absolutely if they can see you smile at them and and you got to do a little work before that you don't want to be stumbling out of bed at the same time they are it's a good start of the day to help them smile so anyways so so that's that's it and um so a few things you guys Todd and I have a um a Zen parenting class that we're teaching at Elmhurst Yoga Shala in Elmhurst Illinois so if you if you are in the Chicagoland area you can come to this class we're going to talk about finding balance and there will be a um on our Zen parenting blog uh there will be a link to this um and that is on January 30th it's a Sunday from 6 to 8 um, also, I have a, a Chicago Parent blog that I write, and I usually write something every week or every other week, and you can just go to chicagoparent.com and click on blogs or just go to chicagoparent.com slash community. And I'm also teaching um, at uh, doing a presentation at Parent University in Batavia, Illinois. So if you're in the Kane County area and that's part of um, – that's part of your area. Um, you can also go to our zenparenting.com um, and look at the link for Parent University because I'll be there um, actually this upcoming Saturday from 8.30 to noon. And um, I want to thank our partner, Avid Company. Avid is a painting, remodeling, and additions company uh, for both uh, residential and commercial real estate all over Chicagoland area. Jeremy Kraft is the president. He's awesome at what he does. If you're looking to do any of those projects, please give him a call and make sure you say uh, Zen Parenting. That way you get your Zen Parenting discount, even though even I don't... Even though that may not exist Even though at I all. just made that up. <laughs> uh, his uh, web address is avidco.net, A-V-I-D-C-O.net. His number is 630-956-1800, or you can find it on our Facebook page or on zenparentingradio.com. Um, so next week we're going to continue on talking about um, self-care. We're probably going to talk a little bit more about kids and confidence and um, how to help them talk about their feelings and how to help them realize who they are and um, help them take care of themselves. So we look forward to talking to you uh, next week. And this is Todd Adams saying oink, oink, my good man. And this is Kathy Adams. Have a great week. Adios. Bye-bye.